lift our hands right now and give him the praise. Amen. Hallelujah. God. Thank you, God, oh, for who you are, Jesus. Lord, oh, what you are doing tonight in every household, Lord oh, God. Jesus. We lift our hands in faith, God, that you said as a seed of mustard. God, that, that, that small seed, if we have that much faith tonight, God, that you can move in our households, God, that you can move no matter where we are at, God, that it is not dependent upon my pastor and I's prayers, God, but it is dependent upon the faith that is in my life tonight, God, and we lift our hands, believing in faith, Jesus, that you will fill our households, God, with your presence, Lord, that you will fill us with your spirit tonight, God, and Lord, that your wonderful presence, as it comes in, Lord, that sin will begin to be dismissed and forgiven, God. Lord, that all things that have come around us and before us, Lord, that mountains that are there, Lord, that we can speak to them and they will be removed. And Jesus, I am believing that for every household, God, that rivers of living water are flowing not only in this room, God, but in all the rooms that are listening to this live stream right now. And God, we pray that your power, Lord, that your anointing would flow upon them just as much as it flows here today, God. Lord, for every person, God, that is discouraged, Lord, that you would lift yes, them up, God, everyone. with your joy and reassurance, God, that you have this under all control. And Jesus, it is by you and by your authority that we pray this tonight, God. And we are thankful in Jesus' name. If you are at home, let's just begin to praise him and thank him again for how great he is in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you for what you are doing, God, and what you will do here tonight. Lord Jesus, we give you praise. Highly exalted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. Thank you, God. Glory to your mighty name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, God. Oh, we thank you, God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, we are thankful again to have the wonderful means that we do have here to tap into service tonight in Jesus' name. And uh, we are believing God for some good things in your households. We, we pray here adamantly before the service starts and we can feel the wonderful presence of God. And I hear our pastor calling out every one of your names as he prays before every service. And so you know that we are praying for you in Jesus' name and we are believing for God to continue in your households. And uh, we are excited about what God is going to continue to do even inside of these atmospheres in Jesus' name. Just a couple quick announcements before we get into uh, the lesson tonight here. I, I am using this microphone again on my head, and it sounds to us like it is working. Um, we adjusted the, the antenna, so if it starts cutting out, please uh, let us know, and, and we will um, just switch microphones and get that adjusted in Jesus' name. But we are, uh, we are expecting it to work and believing in faith for that in Jesus' name. Um, I want to remind you that this Sunday is Easter Sunday, and um, I was listening to a, a, a live stream of uh, President Trump and our vice president as they, they addressed our nation here before service tonight, and they were um, you know, very uh, saddened that many churches across America, I would say all of them, uh, would not be able to hold services live uh, on such a, a wonderful holiday, and they, they expressed how much they enjoy the Easter holiday, and, and uh, just because of the significance that it has with us and, and Jesus being risen, and uh, we know and understand that, that, you know, some people say that they don't celebrate it because of the pagan beliefs, but uh, we had a brother that uh, gave us another video, and he said, you know, if you're not going to celebrate Easter, then you can't celebrate the month of January or the month of February or all these other things that are founded upon uh, pagan stuff, and, and we absolutely can use these things for the, the good of God. And we know the reason that we celebrate it, that it is not to worship some foreign or some pagan uh, ritual, but it is absolutely to glorify Jesus. And we are thankful that he came down here and redeemed every one of us in Jesus' name. And so we are continuing our series this Sunday. We put out a post on Facebook that you can share with people, um, and, and you, you can uh, put that out there. We also have a link on our website. If you go to our website, there is an Easter page that has all of that information on there as well. And so we will be having Easter service on Sunday morning. We will have puppets. Um, we will have a children's skit um, uh, uh, in that, that video there. So we're, we're excited about that. And um, we're just going to believe that it's just like a normal Easter service. Now, this is the part that you can be involved in with us. 
in Jesus' name, I want to encourage you to share that video or share that live stream. Um, there is a way to do a watch party on Facebook Live, and I have never done it, so I, I don't know how to explain it to you necessarily, but you can start a watch party and invite people to it, or you can share the video to your, your Facebook page. So I encourage you that as we are going into the Easter season to share these videos with your friends, and um, as one person put it, a church of 50 can grow into a church of 10,000 in the matter of minutes, and uh, that is an incredible thing, and we want people to know about Jesus and his saving uh, that he can do inside of their life in Jesus' name. So we encourage you to, uh, to help us with that, and uh, it won't only continue this Sunday, but we're also going to have a communion service on Sunday night, and we encourage you to go buy some grape juice and some, some crackers that aren't salted for your family and your household, however many people will be there, and we will take communion together in Jesus' name on Sunday night. It's going to be a powerful time. And then uh, the, the following Sunday, we are also going to finish up our, our Easter series that Sunday with Pastor Carnahan, again, bringing the word. And so um, I encourage you to share this. We still have plenty of time to, to reach out to people and to share it. And even if somebody missed the, the service on, on uh, last Sunday, they can tap into one of our videos. They can tap into the podcast, whatever it may be, and be a part of that in Jesus' name. So even though we are separated during this time, we can still celebrate and rejoice that God has redeemed us. And no matter what goes on in the world around us, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus was alive and, and well here in this world and that he died on a cross for every single one of us in Jesus' name. And so we are thankful for all of that. And we are believing that here soon we will be worshiping and praying together again in Jesus' name. But let's have some church inside of our houses tonight. And again, if you, uh, if you are new to this series or new to our, our live streams on Wednesday night, we have this series on our website, GilletteAbundantLife.com. And if you uh, go to that website, um, you can download, just go to the online viewing section and you can download this. You can also download a prayer wheel to help you with prayer, um, some formed prayers to help you with praying in your household that Pastor Carnahan and I pray. Uh, very good stuff and resources on there. But anyway, the lesson tonight, you can download that. And you can follow along and fill in the blanks inside of a, a book there um, as we go forward. And so there are some questions on those pages that I will ask for your responses and some help. So hopefully you have been looking at those maybe a little bit early before service and you're ready to respond um, tonight because I have a little bit of delay here. So the quicker you can jump into it, we will do it. And whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, I have both of them pulled up here. And so I can see responses from both of them in Jesus' name. So um, Please uh, participate tonight. We want you to be a part of our Bible study and what God is doing here in Jesus' name. So let's dive into it in the Word of God and in these things, and, and it's, it's very cool. And so we see on the, the title slide here that we are learning about finding the favor of God, something that we all should desire to have, because if we don't have the favor of God, then what we are doing is just sitting there spinning our wheels and digging a deeper and deeper and deeper hole. And so we want to find the favor of God. Of God. And last time we spoke about a character named Noah, and we're going to continue to explore him today. But we, we learned that it was because of his righteousness that he found favor in the eyes of God, that he was righteous, he was doing things the way that God had asked him to do them, and not the way that he desired to do them, but the way that God desired him to do them. And as a result, God ended up saving him and his family from an entire flood that absolutely wiped out all of mankind at that point in time. Just a, a significant event there. And so we're going to turn to this scripture again with Noah and, and read this tonight. And it says this in Genesis chapter 6 and verses 13 and 14. And it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And it goes on to say, it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And we'll get into that in, in just a little bit here, but it kind of introduces us to what we are going to be speaking about in this study tonight. It says this, Noah was tired and he was also hot and sticky. For months he and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, had been waterproofing this massive thing, and it was the largest construction project anyone had ever undertaken, far bigger than a house. And the exterior structure was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. It had taken years just to fell the trees and to cut them 
into the usable lumber. And Noah's family had cleared acres of forest land. And now in the middle of a field stood this huge vessel. It wasn't even close to the body of water, any body of water. And there was no way to move it. And over the last decade, Noah had wondered on, on several occasions if he had lost his mind. But right now, Noah was standing on a scaffold of rough logs, 30 feet off the ground. And at his feet was a container of hot tar. And he was smearing it over the large cypress planks in the exterior of the structure. A few hundred feet away, a kiln dug into a small hill was constantly smoldering as it heated and produced thousands of gallons of tree pitch or tar which was needed for this project. Noah figured in a few months they would be finished coating the outside of the structure and then it would be time to repeat this whole process on the inside. And it was a year, or it was year 17 of the project and Noah's family had gone or had a long way to go and once the edifices was waterproofed inside and out, it was time to start construction on the interior decks. God told Noah to build three levels and then add walls and, and create, uh, create stalls for different animals. The decks had to be sturdy enough to withstand the weight of massive animals like cattle and elephants. And the walls needed to be strong enough to keep the animals separated. Noah wondered the best, to sort, the best way to sort these animals, but that was a logistical headache years away. For now, he just needed to focus on the section of wall in front of him and keep spreading the tar. Noah was in it for the long haul, and if it took another 50 years to complete this assignment, he was committed to what God asked him to build. And so that's what we are going to speak about here tonight, and you might be able to guess what is here in Jesus' name. And so if you think about this, or given serious thought to what Noah seriously accomplished when he did this. Now you have to remember that when God asked him to build an ark, there was not a Home Depot down the street that he could go to. There wasn't a, a store that he could go to and say, I need this much lumber and this much wood that's already cut. Um, I need a hammer. I need this many nails, maybe some screws and a drill to put those screws in, a forklift to get me up high enough, um, all those sort of things. No, Noah didn't have any of that. And so when God asked him to build a ship, Noah had to begin constructing this by hand. He had to form tools. He had to have the, the, the right tools at a particular place. But even down to the, the nails and the rivets and the various things that he had to use on that ship, he had to form every single one of those by piece, by hand himself, him and his family. And it's amazing when you begin to think about the accomplishment or what God was truly asking of Noah to do here. We, we talk about mountains that are before us. And if you were Noah standing in that place thinking, my goodness, God, God, you just asked me to do something that is, is basically impossible, but, but it's going to take years upon years upon years. And you can only imagine when God first asked that of Noah, the weight that was there of thinking, man, this is going to go a long time into my future. All of my vacations, all of the things that I had lined out, all of the, the possibilities that I thought were there, those are now all completely torn down and I have a project that I'm going to have to focus on for a long time. It's going to mean a lot of blisters and a lot of bruises and a lot of hurts and a lot of maybe mix-ups and mess-ups, but it's going to take time to do this. So with no power tools or construction equipment being used, Noah constructed this ark that God had asked him to do. And so Noah found God's favor by living righteously, which is what we learned about last time. But now we turn to the next major idea that Noah's example teaches us. And that is this, that God's favor, it requires commitment. That if we are going to have God's favor, that it is going to require a little bit more than just saying that I accept Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, which is a false idea that is out there in our world around us. It's an idea that we can serve God and we can be with God without actually being committed unto God. But if we want God's favor upon our lives and upon our households and upon our families, it is going to require a commitment or a part on us that says, you know what? This task looks huge. It looks long. It looks virtually impossible. It's impossible and it looks like it's going to be tough. But I am willing 
going to commit to it. And, and what it means is I'm going to form this nail right now, and I'm going to form this next nail tomorrow, and I'm going to develop this next piece the next day, and we're going to continue working on this piece until we complete that race, as Paul said, and cross that finish line one with another in Jesus' name. And so we must understand that. Now, I understand that we are on social media here today, and, and it's very easy in our lives to like something on social media. If you're like me, you're scrolling through, and it's very easy to see something real quick and just like it. You know, that, that looks nice. That scripture is a good scripture. I'm going to like that scripture. That says something about our Christian faith. I'm going to like it because, you know, I want to show and prove that I'm part of this Christian faith and that I believe in God as well. It's very easy to do that. But it is a completely different thing to say that scripture that I just liked, I am 100% committed to doing what it is asking me to do, what God is requiring of me inside of my life. It's completely different to, to have that different outlook. And some people like to scroll through life and say, well, I like the worship of church, or I like hearing the word of God every now and again, or I like the live stream and being together with brothers and sisters on Marco Polo, or whatever it may be. Some people like those things, but it's going to take a little bit more from us if we are going to find the favor of God and what he truly desires for our lives. And that is by being committed unto him. And so commitment, I'm going to tell you this, and, and I hope this doesn't worry you or scare you tonight, but commitment is costly. Commitment is costly. We see that Noah found God's favor, but that favor came at a very, very high price. It came at a high price. You see, God could have given Noah a boat that he could have sailed around the world on. God could have given Noah wings and said, hey, fly over the waters until the waters dissipate. God could have done all of that for Noah, but God did not. He said, Noah, there is a, a responsibility that is a part of your life that I, I'm going to put here. Even though God could have miraculous did all, miraculously did all those things, he required Noah and Noah's commitment, because he knew Noah was a righteous person, he said, Noah, I want you to build this ark. And you have to think as Noah, you know, you're standing back and God requires this of you and say, man, you know what, I'm going to go on a 24-day and fast and prayer thing, and I'm just going to pray that this boat falls from heaven and it's right here. Well, good luck with that, but that's not what God had asked of him. That, that God had asked a deeper commitment and, and, and work that needed to be done with his own hands inside of this, this life here. And so even though God could have given him these things, we must understand that God will give us things and he will tell us certain things that we must as well uh, begin to take part in ourselves. Could God miraculously change everybody's mind and make them robots and that they want to serve him and worship him and glorify his name? He absolutely could. But that's not how our God works. He has given us the ability of free choice. And he has said, if you want to find my favor, if you want to know me, then there are some things that I'm going to require of you in your life. There's things like I want you to participate in church. I want you to be involved in reading your word. I want you to pray and to seek my face. And God requires these things of us as individuals. And so that leads me to the first question here today. And it's the first question of your book. And I only want you to answer the second part of this because it, it could really get long on here. But have you ever committed to a project that took much longer than you expected? But answer the second part that says, how did you stay motivated to see it through? If you had a big project, how did you stay motivated to see this project go through? And so you can respond on Facebook or YouTube, whichever one you're on, and type it in there. Um, but how did you stay motivated through a project that took much longer than you expected. I think all of us, if you are a guy, you know this very well. Now, maybe even ladies out there, I don't know. But as far as guys, you know, some construction projects that we say, man, this will be easy. I'll knock it out in a weekend and it will be done and over with. I sometimes say that with the sound system at the church that, man, this is going to be an easy thing. It's going to take a Saturday. And then believe it or not, it takes weeks on end for it to be accomplished. But I want to know how you all stay motivated through those different things. I'm just kind of telling you um, stories of, of these things, maybe getting your, your thoughts jogging a little bit, um, but it, it, can be, it can be tough. Maybe it was a tragic situation. Maybe it was something that was very easy, but you just had to, to work on it in Jesus' name. And so, uh, again, you can see the delay here, how long it takes, and, and I, I haven't seen anything pop up yet, but what helps you to be encouraged 
to be motivated to see projects through when, when, uh, when you've been asked of these. Not necessarily just God projects, but any projects in your life. What helps motivate you to continue on with those projects in Jesus' name? I don't have any funny jokes here to put in the slides or to bring these things up, so I'll just, uh, I'm sure there's some people, somebody typing away, I would assume. Here we go. Uh, staying focused on the results. Yes, absolutely. Staying focused on the results. Looking at the light at the end of the tunnel, right? That's what, a phrase that we say many different times. And, and uh, my mom said to see the finished project, to envision that. Um, absolutely. And, and I'm thankful that we serve a God that will give us a big picture um, of, of the end. That so, you know, he'll give us small pieces of the puzzle right now, but he has told us that, man, you can live with me for all of eternity. And if that's the only thing that, that causes us to strive for this bigger picture, to make it through these smaller things, then absolutely we can do that. Sister Carnahan said, remembering why we believe it, or why, why we began in the first place. Sorry, I think it's cut off here in just a little bit. Um, Got to move this over. Uh, there we go. Why, uh, remembering why we began in the first place. Absolutely. We, we start the project and we are excited and we are enthusiastic about seeing it through. And, and maybe we come to church for a change of lifestyle. And, and uh, we, we've seen it time and time again. Maybe somebody who's addicted uh, to, to something and they come to church and God completely delivers them. But after that deliverance, they say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to continue living with my life. And they, they return to worldly things and, and forget about God and what he had just done for them um, in that circumstance. There's so many things that we can have here. Having a wife that always questions you of when it will be finished, um, that absolutely is a motivating factor, and I don't have that yet in Jesus' name. So I'll leave that to you all out there to, to judge that. Um, set smaller goals to reach the result. Absolutely. Set things that we can obtain. Don't go into this saying, man, I want to obtain this big God in, in just the split second service. But no, what can I do now to begin to learn about him and to know him and to seek his face out in, in Jesus' name? And so um, renovating houses one bite at a time are what people are saying. Small and time-focused goals with the, within that large goal. Absolutely. These are good ideas good ways that we can stay and see it through. And these all apply to the kingdom of God and how he works with us in Jesus' name. And so here's the cool thing that can encourage you, that even though God may ask of a big commitment of your life and that to find his favor, it is going to take a commitment and it is going to take desires in your life, God did not leave Noah without a plan. And so even though God required this big project, God, he did not leave Noah without a plan. Noah was given specific dimensions of how this ship was to be built, how many floors, how tall it was to be, how wide and how long, even how many vents were to be inside of the ship to allow ventilation into, into this place, how much pitch, how, how to build this and how to do that. And so even though it seems like it was a, a major project, and it absolutely was, God did not put Noah out there and leave him to dry. And so when God asked Noah to commit to something this significant, he gave Noah instructions proportional to the task. God was enacting a rescue plan, and salvation requires a clear direction. It requires clear direction inside of our, our lives when, when we need to, to see salvation. It's so, so, so true when we begin to think about this. Salvation requires clear direction. And I, I understand that if we're brand new in this thing, that heaven and eternity, we, we think, man, you know, there's a heaven out there, but how do I even get close to it? How do I even begin to touch that? Or how do I even begin to know this God who was so magnificent, he created this world around, and it can become overwhelming. But, but it's, it's great to know that God has given us very simple directions here inside of his Bible. And sometimes even just looking at the Bible is a bit overwhelming with directions here. But that's why I'm thankful for a church like this and an atmosphere like this that God has given us to provide us directions and clear directions on how we are to be saved or how we are to obtain those things. And we can begin very simply with just a few scriptures and just saying, God, I know you're out there and I believe 
you are there and I ask you to reach down and touch me right now. And God can do that instantly in Jesus' name. Inside of your household, wherever you are listening right now, God can reach down and touch you and pour his spirit upon your household. If you are willing to lift your hands and overcome some pride and maybe some, 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 uh, some, some shame or whatever it may be of, of people around you, but just saying, God, you know what? I need you enough that it does not matter what people around me are doing, but I am going to stand and I am going to lift my hands and say, God, I need you and I need your directions and I need your understanding inside of this scripture and what, what this, this man is speaking about here tonight. And if we are willing to do that, then I believe that God is pouring upon your household tonight the direction, the clear direction that you need. And we begin to repent and we begin to seek his face in Jesus' name. And so we can think of situations where God has given us detailed instructions. And like Noah, we must also uh, have been given a rescue plan, a rescue plan to take us to a new place. And so tonight I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. And I'm going to turn there with you. And I, I, I don't want to skip over this. It won't be on your screen um, but we can turn here, Second Peter, I'm using this digital thing, and I'm also having trouble with it, Pastor, so uh, there we go. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, perfect. Uh, it says this, and if you turn there, Second Peter 3 and 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is a powerful scripture when we begin to think about it, that he is not slack concerning that promise. What that means is he has given us the promise of eternal life, and he has made it available to every single person that is out there. There's nobody that he has pointed at and said, you're going to be born, and you're never going to be able to attain this promise. The only reason that somebody doesn't obtain this promise is because they have decided they themselves did not want to obtain this promise that he has given to us. And it's not a promise that wavers tomorrow it's different and today it's different it's a promise that stays consistent and stays the same and so we can be encouraged with that but saying that that he does not want any to perish but that all should come to repentance everybody to say you know what god i have messed this thing up i have no clue what i'm doing i don't understand it all but i'm here to say god i give all of my sins to you and that's what we celebrate this sunday that's why we celebrate easter in the church because we know that all these things that we have done in our past that we can repent of them and give them to jesus but not only that but we can go down in water and be baptized in his name and when we come out of that water all of those sins are washed away because of the scripture here that says that God is desiring that everyone should come unto repentance unto him. And I'm thankful that he will listen and he will answer to that. But I want to go on to verse 10 because this is the, the scripture that it wanted to bring out here. And it says this, but the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night when we're asleep, when nobody's aware, when nobody's ready for it, nobody's prepared. It's not necessarily saying that we ourselves will be physically asleep, but it's saying that you got to be ready because it's going to be a time that probably won't be prepared. In the which of the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And so it's a, it's a scripture that for those of us who have repented, and those of us who have sought Jesus' face, and those of us that know that we are in the right place with him that we are excited about this time when Jesus comes back. But if there is anyone out there tonight that this scripture causes you to question or to be scared or nervous, then I would ask that you seek him out because there is still time. There is still time during this service tonight. But absolutely what is going on in our world is a shaking that God is saying, I am still here and I am still alive. And all of these people, I'm, I'm, I'm willing that nobody should perish, that nobody should have to go to a terrible place. And so I'm going to do everything that I can to show people that they can serve me and they can still find me and so tonight in your household you can find Jesus you can seek him out you can know who he is and that way when when he comes as a thief in the night you aren't surprised and you do get to to raise up with the rest of us as we go to heaven to these particular places 
in Jesus' name. And, and to, to finish that thought, I, I was in a Bible study and I shared this with a couple brothers, but there was a time in my life where I was absolutely scared and fearful that, that I, I, would, I would sin or I would do something wrong and Jesus was going to come back right at the end of that sin. And as a result, I wasn't going to make it to heaven because I had messed up at that particular point in time. But then I heard a message from our pastor that spoke about the mercy and the grace of God, that if we are continuing to live righteously unto him, like Noah, like, like David, like these people who did terrible things, but he, even when they were in the midst of these things, they were still able to find God and seek him out. It began to show me that even if I, I slip up somehow right before Jesus is coming back, if I am taking these steps and I have worked through the salvation plan, then I don't have to worry about not being able to go to heaven with him because he wants, he wants people to go with him in Jesus' name. And so we must be like Noah. And so we do not have to live in fear, for God has also given us those specific instructions. And you see that in Acts chapter 2 and verses 38, if you want to read about it. But uh, Peter says unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call, including all of us and all of our generations. But even in verse 40, after, after Peter says these wonderful things, he says, save yourselves from this perverse generation. And he is encouraging us to, again, that there are wicked things that are out there. You all probably know and understand them, and, and like, like all of us do. We, we've seen it, people getting addicted to things, people hooked on stuff, people committing terrible things and doing stuff, but even just telling lies or trying to get a political gain. Or I mean, you could go through a million different things of, of stuff that people are involved with. But Peter was, was telling them, see for your, or save yourselves from this perverse generation. And what he is saying here is it is not your pastor who saves you from this perverse generation. It is not God who, who uh, initially pulls you uh, immediately through those things, but it is you that must begin to make the commitment to save yourself from this perverse generation. And I hope that that didn't sound wrong there. God is absolutely our Savior, and He is the reason that we can be saved from that. But it takes us and our commitment at the beginning of saying, God, I need you, and I desire you to save us from this generation. And so again, commitment finds the favor of God, but commitment is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. And saving yourself from this perverse generation, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something just like it did for, Mo for Noah. And so the second principle here is, that, again, I didn't realize this was the next one, but God did not, uh, sorry, um, I think that's the right one. God, here we got to click here. Oh, so there's Acts 2 and 40. But commitment to God costs something. Commitment to God costs something. For Noah, building an ark for the salvation of his family became a life-consuming task. It cost him so much to build this. But time was not the only cost of Noah's commitment. Ark building was absolutely back-breaking. And when you begin to think that he was hundreds of years old when he was doing this you begin to think of the pains and the aches that he might have had i i just hit 27 and my goodness I, I say that the pains and aches are are crazy i went for a long run yesterday and man my knees ached in in various places that i have never had before in different things but noah had to struggle with this being so much older than than what what was needed here what was required of him but still trusting in god commitment is going to cost something and a lot of things that were physical in the Old Testament, so Noah physically building this ark, becomes spiritual when we move into the New Testament age where we are at today. That he had to build it, he had to commit unto God and begin this work. And so I'm not telling you tonight to go in your backyard and begin to build a ship and begin to form these things and, and cause blisters on your hands and, and that sort of thing. But what I am saying is that there is a commitment unto God that is going to take us to depths and to places that we may think are strange or weird or that may cost us some of our friendships or may cost us some of the things that we used to enjoy or used to have pleasure in. And it may cost us that, but what is salvation worth 
to you? What, what is salvation worth to you? To Jesus, for, for everyone, it was dying on a cross, uh, being tortured, being, having a crown of thorns put upon his head, being whipped and bruised and beaten and knowing that all this was coming and bleeding uh, blood in, in his prayer, but he still knew that it was a cost that it was going to take to be in the place that he was at. And so the next point here, whether we look at time, materials, and labor, the cost was steep. But I also want to ask you another question, and, and you don't have to respond on here, but I, I'll have you respond to a different one in just a second. But what price do you put on the salvation of your family? What price do you put on the salvation of your family? If you think about Noah, he wasn't just building this ship for him himself. He was building the ship that was going to save his family. Now, we don't know who all worked on the ship, whether he had many labors or whether it was just him himself. We, we don't know in Scripture there. But what we do know and we understand is that Noah knew very well that he was dedicating this time and it was hard work, but he knew that hard work was not only going to save him, but it was going to save his sons. It was going to save his wife. It was going to be something that caused them to be able to walk with him one day in the kingdom of God. And so today I ask you that if you don't hear anything else here tonight, what is the cost that we put upon our families? That we as, as guys, we as ladies, that, that when we work and when we serve God, it may not just be a commitment unto Him and an ark that we're building for ourselves, but it may be an ark for our family, the thing that causes them to seek salvation, the thing that causes them to seek His house. And so I encourage you that even in these times, get up and, and, and whether it's in the morning or in the afternoon have a devotional time with your family where you seek God where you pray where you search his face and if your children have no clue how to do that then begin to show them how to do that show them how to live unto God it may cost you something it may cost your time of, of, of a tv show that maybe you wanted to watch or something a hobby that you wanted to do or or whatever it may be but what is the cost of your family for Noah it was worth it for many years Years to slave away on this ship that the ship that was hard, hard work. And for him, even though it was hard work, he knew and understood that it would be the salvation of his family. And so invest in your family. I encourage you, I plead with you to invest in your family. And don't just say that it's up to the pastors and the youth leaders and the, the Sunday school teachers to invest in your kids. But as parents, invest in them yourselves. And as kids, invest in your parents as well. Invest in their relationship with God. Encourage them when they're discouraged. Believe in Jesus' name that he can do that. But what is the cost that you are willing to do or what, what you're willing to take for salvation? And so I ask you this next question, and you can respond here in Jesus' name. It says, has God ever asked you to do something, and the cost was more than you anticipated? And what was the outcome? And, and so you can just briefly share maybe a, a couple things there. It doesn't have to look, um, I'm not an English teacher grading your posts or your comments here tonight. And if there is an English teacher on this, well, maybe Sister Carnahan, I ask that you uh, treat people with kindness uh, with their, their words and their phrases. So you can, you can respond in shorthand tonight. I give you permission as your teacher tonight. But has God ever asked you to do something the cost was more than you anticipated? And what was the ultimate outcome? And so while you're responding to that, I am going to uh, continue on with this lesson here just for, for a couple points here. That there was an additional cost to Noah's commitment, the loss of his reputation in his community. The loss of his reputation in his community. So again, just uh, looking for these responses here. Has God ever asked you to do something and the cost was more than you anticipated? And what was the outcome? I know that these will be streaming in here again and um, probably should come up with some more jokes here on, on either side, but we can believe and trust God that he will work through this. Healing, yes, Brother Carlos said that. Uh, Brother Mike, yes, and uh, we are blessed to have him teach us. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to read these. Deliverance, yes, Brother Carlos, in Jesus' name. Things that, that God can do and ask us to do something, and the cost was more than we anticipated, absolutely. Some of these things, when we pray them, it is going to cost us, but man, it, it is so 
worth it when we begin to think about the outcome. We may pray for healing, but that means that God may take us through a time where we need to be healed in Jesus' name. We may pray for deliverance, but God may take us through a time where we need deliverance in order for those things to happen. But even if he does, the outcome can be incredible. Changing jobs, Brother Good has said, absolutely some things that God, some big things that God asks us, and sometimes they can be very tough and very hard to do, and we don't absolutely understand it. Our reputation with some family member, or go to Gillette, Wyoming and start a church. Sister Carnahan said that. Absolutely. Uh, Huge challenge. I, I can't imagine. I can't fathom that. But God will absolutely take us through those times, and he will in Jesus' name. So let's continue with this lesson here to continue forward with this. So the additional cost to Noah was the loss of his reputation in the community. And you cannot hide from your neighbors when you have a 450-foot-long boat. You, you just can't. And your neighbors are going to come out and start asking you what you're doing. What is all the ruckus you're making when you're cutting down all these trees? How come there's all this smoke going up when you're trying to make this tar and this pitch? They begin to ask him and question him about this. And 2 Peter 2 and 5 describes Noah as a preacher or a herald of righteousness, which suggests that he tried to warn his community of the coming flood. Not only was Noah building this ship, but he was saying, God has required that of me. And as a result of God requiring that of me, I want to tell you that there is a flood coming. And this flood is going to destroy everyone if they don't turn from their wicked ways. And, and he preached this. He was a herald of righteousness, proclaiming this to the people there, yet they did not listen. And the reason we, don't, or the reason we know that is in Matthew 24 and 38, Jesus mentioned that right up to the day that Noah and his family entered the ark, the people around him were continuing to eat and to drink and to marry and to do these things that were just the fun and enjoyable things of life. And let me caution you tonight that may we never get so caught up in the, the things that God has given us or, or around us, even things that can be okay, like going to the mountains and going for a hike, something that I love being under the stars, but may we never become so comfortable and enjoyable with that, that we forget that God has required something more of us, that he has required a commitment of us, that we are to live righteously and we are to separate ourselves from things in this world, that it may be pleasurable now, but there's going to come a time when pleasure isn't going to be able to help us last through certain times. I think we're finding that out right now inside of this time when we we can't leave our households and various things that we understand that pleasure is not the thing that is getting us through this time, but it is absolutely God's power, God's spirit being in our households. At least for me it is that when I pray and I read my Bible and I seek him, I feel the same presence in the atmosphere that, that I feel inside of this church in Jesus' name here tonight and so with that we know that Noah tried to reach these people but they just did not listen and once the ark was completed what was Noah to do if the waters did not come you have to think about that his reputation is what we're speaking about here that he built this massive thing what's he to do if those waters do not come that had to be a question that was resounding in his mind but Noah still faithfully built and did what God had asked him to do and so we can ask that question today of what if Jesus doesn't return a second time we did all this and I've had people tell me that that man you know I'm going to live life as wild as I can and when I die then I'll, I'll find out whether or not this was was worth it to do all these fun things inside of my life and what a shame what what what, what a, a crazy thought when we begin to think about that but but we must know when we hear this when we read about it in scripture when we have all this proof around us and i don't have to prove god to you tonight he's alive and well and you can feel him in your household if you truly want to tonight so i don't have to prove him and because that we know he is absolutely true and if he is there alive and well and and there with you in jesus name then you must trust that jesus is coming back at some point and it very well could be inside of our lifetimes and he is shaking the earth right now saying it's drawing near and nearer all the time so we must be prepared for that in Jesus name and so for those who come to Jesus as adults their lifestyle may take a radical shift and former friends may ridicule them for what they are doing I want to take a, a quick second here 
to just say this, and, and it was something that God laid on my heart. This does not mean just because we are, are living out in this world and we may get a reputation or our reputation may be hurt, or even though our lives may become radical unto Jesus, this does not mean that we go through our community and start blasting people. And we go to the grocery store clerk and we say, right now, if you are not baptized in Jesus' name, then, then you know, that, that sort of, it does not mean that we go and we start preaching hellfire and brimstone and, and that sort of stuff. There's a time and place where some of those things do need to come forward. But we, we also must understand that we are not meant to go out there and be prideful about these, these things that God has made us. We are nothing compared to God. We are nothing. We have no ability, even if we were the most righteous person in this world like Noah or, or Enoch or one of these people that are mentioned inside of the, the Bible, even if we are like these, these people and we're, we're, we're modern day Noahs in this world, we have no right to say that, man, look at me. You know, if you're not like me, then you are not going to go to heaven. If you are not like me, then you're going to perish. And sometimes people who get the cart before the horse and begin to go out there and preach those things without the Holy Ghost anointing them and without knowing what truly to say to people, they're just blasting these things and basically gloating their own pride versus what God wants to show them, which is how great He is. And His salvation is the thing that we need to be focused on in Jesus' name. And so I think we have seen some of those people who go and they try to show how much greater they are. But in reality, it, it, we got to be cautious about that. And so what I would encourage you tonight is that if you do not have the Holy Ghost, if, even if you do have the Holy Ghost, I, I encourage you to take small steps. Know what God wants to preach and proclaim to this world uh, around us. He absolutely is coming back and he, there absolutely is a time and place, but that does not mean that we don't handle this with gentleness and we say, hey, are you open to a Bible study? Are you open to learning about the will of God instead of taking the Bible and just pounding somebody over the head with it? That is not the way that God wants us to reach people because again, then we're showing our strength, but I want to show his scripture, his strength and his ability. And the way we do that is through love and compassion, but still knowing that we have a time that is drawing near. And so even if nobody else is going to live that way, I'm going to live what God has asked me to live out. Not so that I can show other people how good I am, but that I can show God that I am willing to go through anything or commit whatever it takes, whatever cost it might be to live unto him. Whether people say it's crazy that I attend services three days a week or not, I'm going to attend services three days a week. Whether people say it's crazy to lift my hands in my household on a live stream, I'm going to lift my hands in my household on a live stream because I know that it is a commitment that God has required of me during this time. And so let's read some scripture here in the New Living Translation. It says this in 1 Peter 4, uh, 4 through 5. It says, Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you, but remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. And may this scripture here give us a heart and a passion to see our friends saved, to see our family saved. Not that we are better again in Jesus' name, but man, they are a human being just like me, and they need salvation in Jesus' name. They need to know who he is, to feel his presence that I felt in the worship service, to feel his deliverance that I have felt, to feel his peace in the time of this coronavirus that I have felt, to feel his joy that I have felt inside of my life. I want others to feel that and to not feel the wrath of God. But I desire that in their lives in Jesus' name. And so commitment to God requires our time, our labor, our money, and possibly our social standing. And when God calls us to commit to Him, He expects everything that we have. This principle was not only present in the life of Noah, but it was repeated in the covenant God enacted with Moses and the children of Israel. And so let's see this here in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 6. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Not, not a, a three God, not a trinity, but He is one Lord. Something that they preached adamantly. And He said, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your might. And it goes on to say, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine 
heart. I want to love God with all of my heart and with all of my might and with all of my soul, that my passions and my desires are unto him and unto his commitment in Jesus' name. And you cannot partially commit to God. You cannot partially commit to him. Elijah rebuked these, this same nation, the Israelites, on Mount Carmel for their indecisiveness that they wobbled back and forth between God and Baal. And you can find that in 1 Kings 18. I encourage you to go and read that story, a, a phenomenal scripture. But Elijah comes and he says, man, I'm the only prophet that remains that is truly preaching this straight in this generation. I'm the only one that is truly proclaiming this Lord uh, uh, of the world. And so he says, we're, we're going to see who is the real Lord, that, that if your God is God, then let him prove himself. But if my God is God, then he will show and demonstrate unto us. And so he has these people who are worshiping and believing in Baal, they're, they're fun things, they're, they're, I mean, just terrible things that they had in that religion, and, and he built an altar unto, unto Baal, and, and Baal did not come and consume that altar, and the people were doing all these things and dancing around and laughing, and Elijah just said, you know what, good luck guys, you, you can keep on going for as long as you want, and he let him go for a little bit of time, but still, their God did not con- con- come down and consume the offering that they had put on this, 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 uh, this altar, and so Elijah said, okay, you guys are done now it's my turn and he said I'm going to up the the ante here and I'm going to put buckets of water upon this altar so that even if somebody lit a flame under this altar it would be impossible for it to be consumed and he put buckets of water upon this I mean buckets and buckets and barrels of water upon this thing and God he he said a simple prayer unto God and God came down and consumed this this offering and he said let the God that answers by fire let him be God and he was showing them that this was not a way to live but he said that there is you you need to decide who your God is going to be and who you will serve is it going to be the God up above or is it going to be the pleasures of this world around us when they begin to open up is it going to be the God up above or is it going to be the weekend fun thing that we continuously do is it going to be the God up above or is it going to be the movies that we enjoy and the things that are inside of that and I'm not saying that all of that is terrible and bad that you have to give all of it up, but there comes a time when our commitment unto him needs to be greater than anything that we are involved in. We're talking about finding the favor of God and whether or not you want to find that here tonight in Jesus' name. But not only Elijah, but Jesus warned his listeners about the impossibility of serving two masters at the same time. And he did this in numerous places. And although fully committed to what God asks us to do may cost us everything, it is much better than the alternative in Jesus' name. And I am thankful that I have not experienced that alternative to a deep place inside of my life. I am thankful that God has helped me completely avoid that. But I have seen the hurt and the hardness that it causes some people to go down a path that completely leads them opposite of God or completely leads him away or leads them away from what he wants and desires for their lives. And it hurts and it's something that I, I hope will help somebody uh, see that Jesus is so much better to live for, that even though it's going to cost us something, it's a whole lot less than what this world will rob us of when that eternal day comes in Jesus' name. And so our third principle here tonight, and we will finish with this one, but it says commitment to God leads to his blessing and to his reward. And if you're like me, you are thankful for that here tonight in Jesus' name, to his blessings and his reward. For Noah, the blessing included the salvation of his family. And although God was going to destroy the world, he made a special provision for Noah. By the time Noah was 500 years old, the world was so corrupt that God regretted making humans, but Noah was the exception. His commitment to God did not start when he was told to build an ark, but it started long, long before that. And it was because of his commitment to God, or his commitment, that God saved him. And so we must know that as well, that even uh, those who say that on their deathbed, that they will find salvation and find God, that, that's a fallacy. That, that's something that you, you hope you will have enough time at that moment to, to search God out. But we see in Noah that if we want to find the favor of God, it's going to take work before Jesus is coming back. That if we are going to find favor in him and if he is going to know who we are 
as Scripture truly states. So we must commit to Him tonight, right now, this minute. We must say, God, now is the time. Let, let, let's just do that, actually, for just a second here. Let's just lift our hands, and, and if you want that commitment to God, if you desire that right now, let's just say it together. Jesus, right now, God, you are here. You are inside of our households. God, and your spirit is here. I can feel it. I know you are here, and God, I want to be committed unto you, Lord. I am sorry for the thing that I have made it, God, or the things that I have put in the place by my own will. And God, I know that those pleasures that, that I have sought for far too long need to be pushed aside so that I can be committed unto you here today, Jesus. I want to live with you for all of eternity, Jesus. I want to see your blessings and your promises unfold in my life, God. And it is only by me committing tonight, right now unto you, that this will begin to happen. And Lord Jesus, I believe that for all of these that have lifted their hands and that are committing unto you right now, God, that you will pour out your blessing upon them, God, that your authority will reign inside of their lives, God. Let us continue to step forward, God, that you will move through them, God, Lord, in the future as they walk with you. And God, I am believing that tonight in these households, in Jesus' name, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I believe it with you tonight in Jesus' name. I am believing and I feel it in the Holy Ghost tonight that he is absolutely anointing some people in Jesus' name, that some of you are becoming and you're, you're making a commitment that you never had before during this time. And God sees it and he is honoring it and he's speaking that right now to somebody out there. I believe it in your household tonight in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It excites me in Jesus' name. And so, again, we'll, we'll continue on with this lesson. But even though God asked Noah to do something incredibly challenging, God's favor, his blessing, was with Noah throughout this entire process. And it took time to load these animals, it, Noah, you know, to, to get them on the ark. But the cool thing is that Noah did not have to gather these animals. It, these animals came, God gathered them unto Noah. It, and, and Noah put them inside of the ark and, and he began to do this. And then even after seven days of loading these animals and, and putting them inside the ark, Noah didn't have to worry about closing the door to the ark. But God came down and he closed and sealed that door for Noah. When the waters began to come, Noah didn't have to worry about what was going to happen to them, but he knew that he had plenty of food and provision that was there, and God continued to speak to him even in the midst of the storm and the seas that are there. And so let me say this, that commitment to God leads to his blessing and to his reward in Jesus' name. Even in the midst of that storm that he may have asked us to be a part of, he, his blessings and his reward will be there, and he will encourage us he will give us the strength. He will give us the ability to make it through that in Jesus' name. When God asks us to do something big and we commit to the job, he will bless our efforts and he will help us through it in Jesus' name. And so you, you can think about this question inside of your household, but what do you think Noah and his family thought when the animals started showing up at the ark? Do you think it was a relief for them and, and saying, man, you know, this... God, God knows how he's doing this. He understands what is happening here. Do you think it was a relief to them that all their hard work was going to come to pass, that the promise that God had given to them was going to come to pass? We, we can see that, yeah, it probably was. And, and we can know that and we can see that as well. That for all of us, when we hear that trumpet sound and the skies begin to turn gold, I mean, whatever it is, when Jesus comes back and when he begins to, to search people out, I, I don't know if you're, you're going to be like me, but I, I plan on being excited and rejoicing at that moment because I'm saying I'm looking to go beyond. I'm looking to go somewhere that I have never went before, and I'm looking to praise God at that particular moment because I know what is there, and I'll be just like Noah seeing these animals come and saying, God, I, I I should have trusted you more through those times. I should have trusted you more in those situations, but now I can see it is real and it is alive in Jesus' name. And so that brings us to our last point here, that God's blessings and rewards continue to follow Noah after the flood. After spending a year on the ark, God told Noah to get out of the boat and to repopulate the earth. And then God then blessed Noah and his sons, and he gave them dominion over all the animal kingdom and granted Noah 
an unusually long life. After the flood, Noah lived another 350 years, making him the third longest living human in history, being behind his great-grandfather Jared and his grandfather Methuselah. And so God kept this promise to Noah, and he said, here is your reward for finding favor in my eyes. I want the favor of God upon my life. I think you all do. I, I know you all do after the prayer that you just prayed and the commitment that God saw there inside of your household in Jesus' name. And so God shows favor to those who are willing to commit to him. So tonight, that commitment you have made, act upon it, begin to move upon it right now in, in Jesus' name. Tomorrow morning, don't let this slack away just being a Wednesday night service, but tomorrow when you get up, make the commitment. If you want to schedule something with your household and a devotion every day or maybe a devotion two times a week, it doesn't even necessarily have to be every day, but maybe a family study on, on, on a Friday night or, or whatever may be inside of your household right now get your pen and paper out and schedule it on your calendar and say this is when we're going to do this make it available inside of your household and no one and, and let it happen in, in jesus name because god wants to honor the commitments that are here tonight and so i want to finish this off by relaying a story to you and it's a story again of commitment and i believe that it will impact you here in jesus name cornelius was conflicted and as a roman military officer it was his responsibility to keep order and to enforce Roman law in the area where he was stationed. The small nation of Jews had been a constant trouble spot for the empire. The people had a reputation for being uncooperative, hostile towards outsiders, and prone to riots. Yet Cornelius, he found their exclusive religion strangely appealing. And although he was a Jew and, and therefore not allowed in their worship services, he respected their beliefs and even prayed to their God asking for direction. He was, kind of, he, he was kind to the local community and he freely gave aid to the poor from his own resources. One afternoon as Cornelius was in prayer, something new and unexpected happened. Suddenly a man in brilliant clothes was standing close by and called him, by name. Cornelius was terrified and didn't know what to say, so he just stared at the visitor. When he found his voice, Cornelius asked the man, what is it, sir? And the angel replied that God was listening to his prayers and was pleased with the way that Cornelius took care of the poor in his area. The angel instructed him to send for uh, some men to the town of Joppa, about 34 miles to the south. And in Joppa, these men were to look for a man named Simon Peter who was staying there with a tanner, also known, no, uh, named Simon, who lived near the seashore. And in an instant, the messenger was gone. So Cornelius summoned two servants and trusted a soldier from his regiment and repeated the angel's instructions to these men. And after the servants and the soldier left, Cornelius summoned his family and household staff. He eagerly told them about the experience and told them to be ready to listen to this Simon Peter when he arrived. Four days later, the servants and the soldier returned with a group of men. When Cornelius saw Peter, he fell at his feet and began to worship him. But Peter said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. And as they went inside the house, a crowd of family members, the household attendants, all these people were waiting. Peter addressed the group and told them that per Jewish law, he shouldn't have even been talking with them, let alone entering the house as a guest. However, he also told that group that God showed him he should not consider them dirty. And then Peter said, Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius then recounted the angelic visit four days earlier and told Peter his household was waiting to hear what they should do next. While Peter preached the good news about Jesus of Nazareth, the whole courtyard filled with the noise as everyone was praying, praising Jesus, and being filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter and his Jewish companions were astounded as they listened to this Gentile group speaking in other tongues just as they had on the day of Pentecost. And although Cornelius had not heard about Jesus until this moment, he was committed and faithful to what he did know about God. Now God showed him favor by saving him and his family. 
Both Noah and Cornelius demonstrate that when we commit to God, he will bless us with his favor. Noah walked closely with God and was shown what to do to save his family. Cornelius did not have the full revelation of who God was, but he was committed to what he knew. God answered the prayers of Cornelius and also showed him what to do to save his family. And from the Old Testament into the New Testament, we see that God gives favor to those who commit their lives unto him. So let us be like Noah, like Cornelius tonight, that we know the simple thing that we need to do, that we need to pray and read the word of God, that we need to be in church with one another, that that we need to do these things. And if we are willing to take these simple steps, then I absolutely believe that God will pour his Holy Spirit upon every one of you in Jesus' name, that he will pour his spirit upon your household. And just like Cornelius and his family who did not understand all of it when Peter began to come and speak unto them because they were honoring God and just doing the simple, basic things, they weren't going out there trying to go wild and preach to people and tell them this and that and that sort thing. No, they they went to the very simple basic of, I need the Holy Ghost before I do any of those, those great big promises that God has asked me to do in Jesus' name. And just like Cornelius and his family received the Holy Ghost and were rejoicing and praising God and speaking in other tongues, I believe that will happen for all of you in Jesus' name, that when you seek him, he will pour that upon your household. You don't have to be in here, but you can be in your bedroom. You can be in your car. You can be anywhere, and and God's Spirit will hit you, and you will speak with other tongues as the promise that the Scripture has given to us tonight. And I feel strongly tonight about that in Jesus' name. And so if we could stand together and lift our hands as a conclusion tonight in this service here, let's do that and let's just believe for God's power to fall upon our households. Again, God, we have committed unto you tonight, God. And as a result of that commitment that has went, I believe that your promises will fall upon these households, God. And Lord, we begin to lift you up and magnify you for what you have done, God, and what you are going to continue to do inside of our lives. God, we give you glory, Jesus, and faith tonight, Lord, for the Holy Ghost that we have received, God. We give you glory for the salvation of our families, God. Lord, we magnify your name, Lord, for everything that you have done tonight in this service, God. Lord, it is only by you, God. It is only by your power and your presence, Lord, that salvation will come. And we are so thankful, God, for your word and your teaching that you have poured upon every household tonight in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We praise your mighty name, God. Glory to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. You are the one that is highly lifted up and glorified and magnified. Jesus, we exalt you high above all the earth, Jesus. Holy is your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, your mind. Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise and honor. Yes, Jesus, we thank you, God. Mm, We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise your name, God. Praise your name, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Please, if you are having a prayer meeting in your house, do not just stop because we're stopping the live stream tonight in Jesus' name, but continue to glorify him. Don't forget about Easter in Jesus' name this weekend that we can celebrate his resurrection with one another, even on the live stream in Jesus' name, and let's do that together in Jesus' name. Let's praise him. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Have a wonderful night, and let God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus.